This is Safety Bri, your number one safety geek. Why do we have the behaviors that we do? Superheroes in the workplace, right? All of those things that go into making you an effective safety manager. I love what we do. Motivation, learning, teaching, training, teamwork. I geek out over that just as much as I do safety. Hello, 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 all my safety friends. This is Bri, your number one safety geek, and welcome, welcome to episode 11 of the Safety Geek Podcast. I have a super meaty episode for you today. So make sure you're not multitasking, make sure you are listening. This is some good stuff, and hopefully it gives you some better understanding about how safety behaviors are created, because we are going to be talking about how people learn, but not necessarily talking about how to teach adults. That's a whole nother topic, but I want you to have this understanding of how humans learn. And this is one of my favorite things I learned in psychology. This is kind of like the backbone of uh, behavioral psychology. And the whole time I took multiple classes on this. And the whole time, all I kept thinking of is this is behavior-based safety. This is how behavior-based safety works. This is freaking amazing. So when you have this understanding, um, it helps you do your job better. So what are we talking about? We are talking about operant and conditional learning. All right. So it's totally different than just, hey, we want to give positive reinforcement. It's about why positive reinforcement works. So we want to make sure that in our jobs, what we're doing is that we are changing behaviors, that we are making people practice safely on a regular basis and that that they're creating safe work habits, right? So that's what all of these things do. And when you apply this um, learning to safety, you're getting, you're going to get a longer lasting change. And that's the important thing. Because I can change somebody's behavior for a day or two. But getting them to change it because they want to change it or getting them to change it for the rest of their life, that's a bit harder. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is how you do that. So before we get started, make sure you have a notebook, make sure that you are ready because like I said, it is a meaty topic. Um, I'm going to jump right into it because we got a lot to talk about. We are going to start with how habits are formed and conditional learning. All right. So what habits are, habits are the way that you do things, right? It's things that you do without even thinking. These these are things, so think about like um, when you get into a car, you automatically put your seatbelt on. Because you've been doing it that way for so long, it's an automatic, right? Or brushing your teeth. That's a habit. That's like a habit that most people have. These are things you don't even think about. Your brain is so wired to do them that it doesn't take a lot of brain power. It doesn't use up your brain's resources to do them. Those are habits. Habits are not easily conditioned. So a lot of people try to say that it takes 21 days to build a habit or it takes 90 days to build a habit. Six months, I've heard too. I've heard so many different ones out there and I call BS on all of them. Because if you are a parent, 
and you have raised children and tried to get them to get the habit of brushing their teeth, you know darn well it takes a lot longer than 21 days. You hear me? It takes years, (laughs) years. So habits are not easily conditioned. So you have to be patient when you are trying to build safety habits. And a lot of it comes down to when you're trying to drive a new habit, the complexity of the task, right? So if the task is really complex, it's going to take a lot longer for that habit to be formed. And it also depends on upon how often it's done. So even if it's something that you just do irregularly or once in a while, it's not going to be as much of a habit. And what it's attached to, like when do you actually perform that habit? That's another thing that determines whether or not the habit will be created, as well as the motivation to do the habit and the reward you get from doing the habit. So what I want to talk about, and you guys have probably heard about this, conditional, um, I have it written down as conditional format, conditional learning. Conditional learning was first brought into popularity by Pavlov. And you guys probably have heard about Pavlov's dog, right? So the way that this experiment went was that Pavlov was actually studying digestive systems in animals. And he, you know, surgically put in a way to test the salivation of the dog. And he was doing it so that way he could test the you know, the biological aspect of it. (laughs) He was not testing whether or not I ring a bell, the dog salivates. That was actually something that he observed while he was doing his experiment. But that's what eventually happened. So he had to feed the dog. and, And whenever they were feeding the dog, this bell rang. And then he realized that every time the bell rang, the dog would salivate even when there was no food there. So that's how he changed his is focus from the biological to what's going on here? How are we conditioning this dog that he salivates every single time the bell rang? And then another thing they noticed is that the dog would start salivating when certain um, assistants would walk into the room because those assistants were the ones that were providing the food. And then the dog would salivate. So they did a bunch of different experiments with it and realized that you can connect a reward and to a trigger, and you'll get an action, right? So the reward for the dog was the food, the trigger was like the bell, and then the action that they wanted to happen would happen. So that is how conditional learning happens. And I don't know if you know this, but during Pavlov's experiment, they actually unconditioned the dogs too. And that's what I find most interesting is as safety managers, we have to make sure that we're not unconditioning a good behavior. (laughs) And we'll talk about that too. But Pavlov was able to uncondition the dog and condition them to different things instead of just the bell or the experimenter. They could have conditioned that dog to anything. And that's interesting because we want to make sure that we're conditioning the right things. Now, I'm not saying that our employees are like dogs. I mean, that's not true. The human brain is much more complicated than the dog brain. But what is similar is that you and I, we want to build very good, safe habits, right? We want it to be that when somebody picks up a power tool, they don't feel comfortable operating that power tool without putting on safety glasses, 
right? That it should be an automatic. And the idea of operating that power tool without safety glasses is unheard of. Like they would absolutely never do that. Those are conditional habits that you want to create within your workplace. Other things might be wearing the seatbelt when operating powered equipment or not using a piece of equipment without doing a pre-inspection or lifting properly that they always bend their knees and keep their back and neck straight. You know, all of those things, you can build conditional habits that go along with it, but you have to understand how to build habits. So a habit is formed when there is a trigger that creates an action And then that action has a reward. So you have to have those three things. You have to have a trigger, which could be, I picked up the power tool, the action, putting on the safety glasses, and the reward being, I feel more secure using this power tool. Or the reward might be, I completed the job safely and I didn't get anything in my eyes. Or it could be that my boss noticed that I did it right and they complimented me. The problem comes is when there is no reward, then the habit can get unconditioned. Or if the reward comes with no action, you're breaking that conditioning as well, right? So meaning if the only reward of putting on the safety glasses is that the safety manager is going to notice and compliment them and give them positive reinforcement. That's not a good reward system because there can be times that they use the power tool and put on their safety glasses and never get rewarded because the safety manager is not around or the supervisor is not around. So you have to link the reward to something that is internal to that person, something that they're going to get whether you're there or not, or a person is there or not, for it to become a habit and for it to be conditioned that way. So when you think about putting the seatbelt on, when I get into my car and I put on my seatbelt, I feel secure in the car. If I forget to put my seatbelt on, which has happened, you know, you get your mind starts going crazy, you got a lot of things on your mind, you're getting in the car for something, you're putting stuff down, the kids are screaming, right? And you, you miss the seatbelt. And I start to move that car without my seatbelt on, I feel extremely uncomfortable. And that triggers me going, hey, what's wrong? There's something wrong. And I realize, oh my gosh, I forgot to put my seatbelt on. Right? So that's what you want to get. You want to have that internal feeling with your employees. You want your employees that when they get on that forklift and they don't put their seatbelt on, they feel uncomfortable. And when they put the seatbelt on, they feel secure and comfortable. So that's the goal. You don't want to just attach the reward every time to being complimented or being told they they did a good job. And it can't be that, hey, I completed the job safely because I wore the PPE because you can easily complete the job safely without wearing the PPE. This is why getting people to follow safety rules is so difficult. Because they get the reward of getting the job done in a timely manner without getting hurt, with or without following safety policies. The safety policies are there because there's always a chance that they're going to get hurt or cause damage. And 
that risk. It's almost like the speeding that we've talked about before too is, you know, if we got a ticket every single time we went one mile over the speed limit, we would never speed in our cars. But we get the reward of driving faster without getting a ticket all the time, which is why speeding is such an issue. But most people know that there's a higher chance of you getting a ticket at 10 miles over the speed limit. So that's about where they keep their limit at, right? So anyway, so in order for you to get people to create these safety habits, what you need to express to them is the internal reward that they're getting from it, right? So if I want somebody to be lifting properly, I want to focus on the fact that when you lift properly, your body feels good. When you lift properly, at the end of the day, you're not as tired. Um, If I'm talking about ergonomics, if you are not twisting while you're doing something, if you're looking straight onto your computer, how does your neck feel? I'm not going to focus on the fact that you're not going to get injured or good job, I'm glad to see you're doing it right. I'm going to focus on what is in it for them. How do they physically feel? Because that physical sensation of the endorphins that are released from doing exercise or the energy that you have, that is more of a motivating factor to to develop a, a habit than anything else. You have to have this internal reward in order to develop that habit. Now, if you do an action enough, you can also build a habit, right? Whether you get a reward from it or not. So think about, and I'm sure you guys have done this, think about like you're driving in your car and you're on a certain road and you wanna go to the grocery store, which means making a right-hand turn, but usually when you're on this road, you're going to work and you're making a left-hand turn. That's a habit because you've driven to work so much that your mind has a very quick channel to relate to, okay, we're in the car and we're on this road. We always turn right here. I don't want to think about it. We're just going to turn right or turn left, whatever it is, right? So we're going to turn left. I'm pointing to the left, but I'm saying right. It's so weird. All right, so you we're going to turn left And then you turn left and your mind is numb about what you're doing till all of a sudden you realize you've passed your turn and you're supposed to turn right to go to the grocery store. It's because you have done it so much that it has become a habit. So as safety managers, we can do this in the workplace. We can use positive reinforcement um, to get them to do the action multiple times over and over again to where it becomes a habit. Especially like if you have a job or or if your facility has a job where they are doing the same action over and over again, you can teach them, like lifting's a great one. Like if you have an order picker where all they do, I'm thinking like an Amazon warehouse type of situation where they're just picking product constantly, right? That's something they're doing over and over and over again. So if you stay on top of them and are reinforcing the right habits, or the right actions, they will do them enough that it will become a habit. So they will gain that habit without that intrinsic motivation. But it is harder. They do have to do it a lot. But what we're talking about there is called operant learning. 
And operant learning is so freaking interesting. I love it. It is based on reinforcement. Um, It is both positive and negative reinforcement. And they have actually studied whether you get better results with with uh, different kinds of infor- reinforcement, whether positive or negative. And the studies that they did, and, and the ones that I read the most on were with pigeons, but I promise you, they have taken B.F. Skinner's studies and have done them in the workplace as well. I just haven't read as many of those studies as I have about the ones with animals, but they have duplicated it in the workplace with the same exact results. Okay, so if I start talking about pigeons pecking stuff, that's where it's coming from. But I swear to you, it works on people too. And this was like mind-blowing. Like I sat there reading all this going, oh my gosh, this explains everything. So what the results showed was that when you give a positive reinforcement, when the correction is seen in a positive light, that you get a much longer-term behavior change than when you do with a negative reinforcement. So a lot of safety managers I see come into the profession thinking, and, and I did this myself, so, so don't think that I'm not part of this group, but I've learned over the years how to change this. They come in thinking that they need to rule with a heavy hammer, right? They have to bring it down and just, you're just going to write people up like crazy. You're going to yell at people. You're going to, they're going to make them do what they're supposed to be doing. That's negative reinforcement. And then positive reinforcement is praising their work, appreciating what they're doing, pointing out what they're doing right, right? You can even make a correction, a positive interaction, And that's really cool to do. So think about this. Let's say that I observe an employee not wearing, um, I don't know. Let's Let's say they're not lifting the boxes properly, right? And I go up to them with my heavy hammer and I say, Warehouse Joe, I have told you over and over again that you are supposed to bend at the knees while you're lifting. This is unacceptable. We've trained you on this properly. You're getting written up for it. And the next time I see you lifting a box, you'd better be bending your knees while you're lifting the box. What I will tell you is that Warehouse Joe will change his behavior every time you're around for a short period of time. And that's fear. That is managing safety out of fear. But what's going on in the back of his mind is, I need to find another job because this isn't acceptable. I'm not a child. I shouldn't be treated this way, right? Now, what if I went up to Warehouse Joe instead and said, hey, Joe, I see that when you are lifting the boxes, you're bending at the waist and not at the knees. How does your back feel? Are you tired at all? What does it feel like at the end of the day? Now, during the training, we pointed out that you really should bend your knees. Can we try it? Let's do it together. Let's see how that feels. How does your back feel now? You know, Joe, you're a really young guy, and um, you probably are not worried about a back injury, but I will tell you, if you hurt your back now, you're going to feel it for the rest of your life, and I really want to make sure you're lifting properly. So can you please try it out this way, and I'll check back with you in a little bit and see how it's going. How does that sound? What do you think Warehouse Joe's going to do? 
He may just blow it off, but he may actually try it. But the one thing is, he's not going to be scared of the safety manager. And let's say I come up to him again, and I still see him doing it improperly. I'll try a different approach to coach him, right? But it's that positive that's going to actually get him to think about what he's doing and change his behavior. And it's actually better for the company too. All right. So let me get back to your notes because I got off on a tangent there. I always do that. All right. So here's the most interesting part about the study. This is where I was just like, my mouth was open going, this is incredible. I need to shout this from the rooftop so everybody understands. So they studied the frequency of the reinforcement. So they already knew that positive reinforcement was best. But they said, okay, so what happens if, you know, we don't, we don't give them positive reinforcement every single time? So they examined, you know, giving them positive reinforcement every single time. They examined doing it on a varied schedule. So like every three times, every five times, every seven. And then they also did it at a random schedule. Now, what they found is that when you do it consistently, where every time they do the action, they get the reward. So think about every time the pigeon pecked a disc, they got food. Every time the employee bent their knees while lifting, they got, you know, a candy bar. I don't know, right? That gave you the best results. But that's not realistic in the workplace, right? So the next thing they tried, and I remember reading where they tried this in a factory setting as well, where they varied it to be like every three times they got the reward. And what happened there was that time number one and time number two, they just didn't do the action. But they knew on the third time they were getting the reward, so they would do it on the third time. So the pigeons were really smart, just as smart as the workers that did the same exact thing. They learned the schedule. So that wasn't very effective because Basically, you're just saying that, you know, the two times they're not going to do it and that doesn't do you any good. But the one that worked just as well as the consistency or only slightly worse than the consistency was randomly putting in the uh, reward. So the pigeons would peck and sometimes they would get food and sometimes they wouldn't. And there was no schedule. There was no set frequency. It was just random. Think of like a slot machine where it's like completely random whether or not you win. So you keep pulling the handle because you're like, oh, the next time I'm going to win, the next time I'm going to win, right? That actually created better results than the every three times you're going to win type of thing, or every three times you're going to get food. I don't think slot machines were ever on that kind of frequency. So when we are thinking about trying to change behaviors in safety, and we're trying to drive that habit of getting them to do the action, you know, more frequently, we have to vary when we give the reward. So this may mean that occasionally you give out a reward for them doing a certain action. So if you think about it, if I'm a worker, and I'm lifting a box, and I know that sometimes when I lift the box correctly, somebody's going to notice whether it's they're walking by or they see me on camera um, or something like that, and I'm going to get a reward, then I'm more than likely going to do that action as often as possible to hope that I get caught and I get the reward, right? So let's put this into 
context of an entire program. So let's say that you have a new program that you're putting out there and you are having trouble with your employees wearing their hearing protection. So, and this is always a struggle of getting them to wear their hearing protection, getting them to wear it correctly, right? So step one is you're going to train them. And during the training, you're going to really point out the benefits to them, right? Which the benefits to them of wearing hearing protection, it has to be an immediate benefit. It can't be like, oh, 50 years down the road, you're still going to have hearing. Because I'll tell you, nobody listens to that because I spent my teenage years at concerts, not listening to any of that. And now my hearing is crap. (laughs) So anyway, so you're going to train them on the benefits and show them like, hey, when you go home at the end of the day, you're not going to have to turn your TV up so loud. Or when you go home at the end of the day, you're going to be able to hear, you know, the kids when they're talking to you or anything like that. Where if you don't wear your hearing protection, what happens is, you know, the nerves in the ear go numb and you end up, you know, not being able to hear as well later on in the day. So, and yes, it does affect your hearing, you know, 20 years down the road and all that other good stuff, but they're not going to listen to that. They're only going to listen to what it benefits them today and right now. Okay. So even though hearing protection might be uncomfortable and it might be a pain to wear, right? You can, you can work on that issue as well. They do make some form-fitting hearing protection, But if they focus on like, hey, I'm going to wear this so that tonight I can actually talk to my family and hear them, right? And then when you see them wearing it, have a question-based discussion. How do you feel? You know, how, how is it put in? You know, do you have any questions about it? I really appreciate you wearing it. Why do we make sure that you wear it every day? You have a question-based discussion. And you focus on the hearing protection for a period of time consistently. So we're talking like do a whole blitz, have every manager, every supervisor, every safety person, you're focusing on hearing protection for a week. And every time you see someone wearing it right, we're going to have a nice positive reinforcement every single time. So you're, you're combining that consistency to really make sure you're enforcing it and that they understand it. And then what's going to happen is you're going to start spreading it out. So instead of Uh, giving positive reinforcement on it every day. Maybe you'll do it every three days or just occasionally or maybe just three people a day or something like that until you get it to a really nice, just varied schedule where it becomes like an item in a hat that you pick out going, hey, I'm coaching on hearing protection today. And I would say that you want to at least coach on it once a quarter because you have to watch out for what is called extinction. All right, and we're not talking dinosaurs here. Extinction actually refers to when the habit gets reversed. So if you stop reinforcing the habit, it can get reversed. They can revert back to their bad habits. Studies show that this will happen until the habit is ingrained, right? Meaning like if someone has always worn their safety boots, right, their steel-toed boots, for 10 years, they're still going to wear them whether you're reinforcing that behavior or not. But if they're brand new at it, they're not going to do that. And just a, just a little side note there about how people will do things when it really makes them feel good. I want to tell you a story about my son, which I know I've talked about him before. But my son has an ankle issue. And I'm sure it's work-related, but there was no like one event that caused it. He just, he just gets these ankle strains 
And he normally wears Vans, which are skater shoes with no ankle support whatsoever. So he was having all of this ankle pain and his dad said to him, why don't you try some work boots that have better ankle support? So he invested the money and he got himself some work boots and it had it relieved his ankle pain so much that that was all that he would wear for like six weeks. And then summertime came and, you know, work boots are kind of hot and he wasn't required to wear them at work. He was just doing it for his ankle pain. And he reversed. He was just like, oh, my ankle's feeling good. I don't need to wear these anymore. So he did reverse that habit where he was always wearing them and he loved them, but he was like, oh, it's hot. So something else interfered with that habit. So he reverted back to wearing his skater shoes. And almost immediately, we're talking like within two or three days, his ankles started hurting again. So, and you know, he won't go to the doctor. So don't even start that. I just, that's just craziness. But anyway, now you never see him without his work boots because internally he doesn't need any outside motivators. He has an internal motivation because he knows that solves that problem. So you have to get your employees to do the same thing. Your employees have to feel the benefit of that safety habit that you are instilling in them. Okay. Alrighty, my friends. That was a lot for today. I hope you can hear my excitement about this about this topic because this is like one of my favorite things to talk about, mainly because it is behavior-based safety, but just that whole background and the psychology of it is just oh, so interesting to me. So if this is interesting to you and you want to dive some deeper into this subject and others, I do have an amazing new idea book for you. And it is called The Five Surprising Ways to Make Your Employees Crazy for Safety. And it takes a look at how habit building works and how to get people to recognize um, safety and to remember it and basically get them talking about safety. So it's absolutely free. You can get your copy by going to asksafetygeek.com forward slash five ways. You can spell out five or you can put the letter five. Either way, it'll take you to the same page. So make sure you download that. It's got over 20 different ideas to energize your safety training or your safety messages or to get your points across. So enjoy that. I worked really hard on it. And once again, I think it's amazing because, you know, I created it. But until next week, you guys have a safe day. And thank you so much. I know this was a longer episode. So thank you so much for sticking with me until the end. You have a great day. Bye-bye. Check out the show notes and links for this week's show at www.asksafetygeek.com. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. There are occasional bonus episodes that I don't always advertise and you won't want to miss them. Hey, one more favor. Leave a review on that app too. It helps others find the show. Thanks. I really appreciate it and can't wait to talk to you next week.